Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece universe front to back. I, as always, am the super rookie, Mouthy Jacob, joined by my co-host and super veteran, Data Justin. Yo, today we are discussing the best of the worst, the villains, <laughs> the baddies, and the goons, the antagonists. The fun one, the fun one. <laughs> Talk about all the favorite times. We always got the closest to defeat, the closest to character deaths. That won't happen, but you know. It's always a nice thing to do. The craziest and or tragic backstories. Um, actually, you mentioned it, how like what makes these villains so great. It's like we couldn't really come up with a straight answer because they're all unique in their own way. I think that is the answer. How that they're <laughs> all they're all memorable in a very unique way. That helps them stand out because even those like who are, we're probably not going to talk about them too much. This episode, but an example would be like even like Silver Fox, for example. He just has like a very wacky, like Waluigi design, gamey, like yeah. manipulator. And so then even got, if, like every other villain with totally different features, exactly. So even if you didn't like that arc, for example, you can't really forget Silver Fox that easily because, well, his design's incredibly unique and his powers are fun too. So that's like the the best benefits of the villains, and that's obviously a lower tier villain. So that's why we wanted an episode dedicated to this. And similar to the last episode, we'll focus on like the immediate like obvious villains that we just encountered and their minions, their goons, and kind of expand on that point. Because yes. after all, we have to theorize what are the next villains going to be. We have some three obvious answers after that, but there's also the potential after that. So that's why it's a good opportunity, an opportune time to go back and look at our favorites and go, who can come back? And if not, what's an excuse to talk about them again? Because One Piece has some really solid fucking villains can't wait to talk about that it does mm -hmm. so let's let's start out where we've been kind of like we did with our last episode we talked about or we've been talking about big mom and kaido quite a lot mm -hmm. lately but let's real quick say how we feel about this villain since we're so recent on mm -hmm. so we were comparing the two two of the four emperors of the sea or should i say former emperors of the sea where these are two characters that were both aligned with the rocks pirates right you have big mom kaido but we were talking about in the pre-recording, these two actually are pretty damn different personality and character introduction, presentation, I mean, where Big Mom is closer to like Ursula from like Little Mermaid 90s Disney movie, or sorry, late 80s. And then you have Kaido, who's like your like shonen battle warrior, like Ken Pachi from Bleach, who like loves to fight, wants mm -hmm. to find the next opportunity moment. He's got like literal barbarian horns, dragon horns, fire breath, and then Big Mom has like talking trees and talking food singing her songs kind Musical, of thing but they're both yeah. menacing but they're both menacing in their own way so you each have your tastes and preferences um i think it's no doubt that big mom has the better backstory of the two but honestly kaido we Did haven't gotten we, his full backstory he, yet we got less than a chapter of kaido and it was like but, it was like more like a uh, what's the uh, what's like the word a, i'm looking for uh like a teaser Slide a show. prologue <laughs> I was having a brain meltdown. Yeah, um, I'm. Th I think you mentioned this actually. Is if we're gonna get a more expansion on Kaido's backstory, it's gonna be in direct relation with the Rocks Pirates. So we'll get a bigger story on that. Because if we don't get any more than this, then it's like okay, then he's just a simple warrior guy, might makes right kind of guy. And I'm personally fine with that. But because Wano is like such the longest arc, people started getting to One Piece, including myself, when Wano was going on that people kind of expected Kaido to be, like, the best villain. And I even said that when we first started Wano, he had potential to be the best villain so far. But yeah. at the end of the day, uh, he's just a really strong warrior guy, and I'm I'm fine with that, personally. Yeah, he, he looks he awesome. he really did just kind of fall into the, 
the really strong like Togoro almost like from Yuuksha yeah. if you're familiar with archetype of character mm-hmm. a villain. Well, that's not even really fair because Togoro had a great backstory, but you get it. <laughs> Kaido could still have that backstory, like we mentioned. Um, I was gonna say like also that same archetype because we were covering this almost at the exact same time, buying time for one of the finish. He ends up being a lot better than the movie character Bullet. Is that his name? Fucking Bullet from Stampede movie. Yeah. Um, where he had that very similar archetype, but I think no one liked Bullet. <laughs> I don't think anyone liked that character. I, I think that's fair. <laughs> and then Kaido, he at least has some really fucking hype moments where literally the first fight sequence against Luffy, he one-shots him and just goes, what the hell was that, boy? And then we go, oh, power established. Okay, we got some time to go through here. So he makes his memorable moments, even though his backstory is not exactly the most complex or deep. Um, Big Mom, on the other hand, incredibly tragic backstory where she just wants to form the perfect family the same way that her adoptive mother told her because she's never really quite had her own family and then she wants like this perfect Disneyland like everyone holding hands perfect like diverse everyone happy hand holding family but at what cost she doesn't care she wants to form it and, <laughs> and that backstory on top of that where you're just like oh my god she ate the entire family oh my fucking god <laughs> you're just freaking the fuck out where yeah, yeah big mom's ascension was from cannibalism oh my fucking god not to mention oh we did not i don't think we ever mentioned this before really raised um, some questions about devil fruit mechanics as well absolutely but i guess now we know right <laughs> if you literally eat the person that has the powers you well get see to- there's room for possibility that the fruit transferred to a fruit you know close by because you ate all kinds of actual food as well so mm-hmm. hard to say maybe i i prefer i guess it's the, i guess the fan canon because we don't have a straight answer yet i that, prefer yeah I, I would say that's like most yeah, likely the dark apparently. answer yeah now switching gears here um no pun intended uh we never mentioned this before we kind of tease that back in whole cake island because we mentioned how like how Big Mom somehow got, like, 80 husbands in the past. We're just like, what is her secret? What the hell? Besides just power. And then we got the backstory in Wano. We actually see her young age. We're like, okay, she's actually fucking hot. Okay, that's the answer. Got it. <laughs> that was all I wanted to know. She actually was a looker. Got it. But, um, so... Oh, gosh. And not to mention, like, the unique ability just to create more uh, homies on the spot with, their like, the soul power that she has. She has extra soul capacity. She could just make a new homie to replace an old one because they get sentient enough to be like of a disservice to her, like Zeus. And then she'll make a new one on the spot. Like that's an incredibly unique power. You're like, oh, you can literally just make your own support characters over and over again. So your personality to your own power type. And you can keep going on and on. Uh, Not to mention their fights were both great. I know people didn't like um, the Big Mom fight as much because the Straw Hats weren't directly involved at the end of that fight. But I got to give props, man. Like that, and it long... wasn't really a fight necessarily either. So, but either way, like I just love the finale with Law, especially like piercing through her skull, like that panel. You just turn the page, like what the fuck, <laughs> Oda? Is that a death blow? Of course not, but still, <laughs> it makes you think that. Um, but either way, I just loved how that was treated. Um, and I am still a firm believer we will see them again at some point. Oh, I misunderstood you. I thought you meant like on Whole Cake when they were. Oh, sorry, sorry. Perhaps. On Wano. On Wano. Yeah, that sorry. was a fight. I clearly believe that was a fight. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Whole Cake Island was a. Yeah, unfortunately, that Big Mom sequence was part, unfortunately probably the worst part of Whole Cake Island was that extended chase sequence. I will admit. Right. Um, at the time, I didn't mind it as much, but looking back on it, I'm thinking, yeah, you could have trimmed that arc down by cutting down a few pages. But yeah, we got she, some good she looked really moments. creepy there, but uh, it wasn't, it went on for so long that it kind of lost its urgency. Yeah. Like how scary a, it was being chased by Big Mom. 
Yeah, do you remember? I know this is going to sound like kind of a stretch, but it is relevant because we're talking about classic villain. Do you remember uh, 101 Dalmatians, that old Disney movie, right? Uh, do you remember the villain Cruella DeVille? Of course. Do you remember the scene where she's in the car chasing the Dalmatians and she looks like fucking Yeah, insane. really haggard and her eyes are Yeah, her eyes, shit. her yeah. hair. That was what the Big Mom vibes were, where she was chasing the ship. So, like, on one hand, like, that first started, I'm like, that's fucking Cruella DeVille. I'm getting, like, this childhood nostalgia flashback. But because, like you said, it just going on for a bit too long, it kind of lost its muster. And then the focus became then, like, oh, look at the straws working together. That's cool. And then it becomes, okay, we're still going on? We're, we're still doing this? Okay, okay. <laughs> so that was the worst part of that. But either way, uh, I still prefer Big Mom over Kaido in terms of, like, overall villain prowess. But obviously, just coming off of Wano and Kaido's direct association with Luffy's, you know, Gear 5 association, it's hard to try and state that. Because people are like, what are you talking about? Isn't Big Mom better? Or Big Mom worse than Kaido? But I'm just thinking, like, overall yeah, villain prowess. Yeah, I find myself actually agreeing. Because I'm thinking, like, Big Mom versus Gear 5 Luffy would actually be a, probably a awesome fucking fight you have a disney villain versus Ugh, a disney dude. hero kind of thing yeah i said because now when i think about it i'm a little disappointed that luffy didn't get to fight big mom and i think that's and i think that's what the intention though Oda was trying to do right because he had a very serious kaido villain versus you know fun joyous luffy and then you had joyous big mom against like very serious law and kid i think that was kind of like the the clash the differences in class of uh tone to make it more stand out but obviously the kaido and luffy fight was the highlight because it's luffy and plus, even though we consider Law like an Andre a straw hat, whether he will never call him that or not, he's not an actual straw hat. And so people kind of gloss over the Big Mom fight in comparison to all the other straw hat fights going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so now about enough about them, though. What about their goons? Because they got quite a lot. Big Mom has, I think, the biggest extension of the crew. But yeah, she has a lot. And it's her family only <laughs> in both sides for me. I only really feel one worth mentioning. Uh, like really appreciate. Oh, Ulti is pretty cool. I like how she plays with Page One. We mentioned that. Yeah, I don't think she's like the best goons or in a series, but Queen, on the other hand, is. (laughs) Yeah, he's still. Yeah, he's pretty fucking dope. I think the anime really uh, it really did elevate him. Yeah, the vibes that Queen gives off with the scene, he's just DJing and vibing. You really need you need the scene to see what Queen's about. Yeah, if you weren't this genocidal monster that can form like these viruses that kill your own crewmen on the fly, I'd be at all his shows. All his shows, exactly. I wouldn't. I'd be like, okay, I got all my vaccines. I got all. I got like three layers of masks. I got my glass shield on. It's not going to be a help (laughs) against Queen, but it'll be part of the fun. Um, but I think I want to appreciate King because I feel like he could have been something really incredible because he had this huge reveal tied That's into him, like design, a lore yeah. reveal but at the end his backstory is kind of non-existent yet again yeah it's just tied it's, in at some point like kaido met him they met and they did the thing yeah it. it's it's the problem that his backstory was more of the service was for our perspective it's a problem it's the service that he's done only to escalate kaido of like how like where kaido got his start like it was it was more about backstory to kaido's uh start rather than like actual king's backstory yeah and like we got enough don't, we don't get a flashback at all for queen mm-hmm. but we hear more like we know like oh he's a like a mad scientist he used to work with a uh, judge and he was doing experiments and then he defected right and fucking mega punk we, we have at yeah. least something about him and we kind of get it and he has a vibe yeah where, i mean that's king's kind of bland i hate to say it yeah his the best part about him was his design the first time i saw him he was like that is a fucking bloodborne character oh my god 
But as time went on, he just ends up, yeah, he just, he's not as fun as Queen. He kind of just falls flat a little bit. Um, he doesn't have the same problem as Jack, at least. Jack was just like, he had a cool name and that's it. <laughs> yeah. um, he was intimidating back at Zhao, but after he got Dude, bit, Jack but, didn't do anything. I was a very unfortunate. Like, he got mentioned at the end of Wano for like, oh, he was able to help find ancient Wano. Okay, cool. Where was he during the fight? Yeah, man, I'm sorry, Kyle, <laughs> but your he? goons are lacking. Yeah. Um, Big Mom has a similar problem where she has so many minions and henchmen that it's hard to keep track. A lot of hers are, are some of the most visually interesting characters in the And that's series, a flip side, so. yeah. But they're very iconic at the same time, yeah. Yeah, like they're um, so recognizable, the Charlotte family. Yeah. Even the though they don't do anything either. <laughs> yeah, but... The, even, like, the most boring visually is Pudding, and she has, like, the most plot-essential purpose right. for a whole cake island, where it ends up being like, oh, she's up, straight up supposed to be the fiancé of Sanji. They actually do fall in love. It's a little rocky. The execution was not my preference. a little too quick, right? But either way, that first half of the execution of, like, that tragic, like, uh, villain reveal was so fucking perfect. God. But... And Big Mom does have one top-tier, uh, quote-unquote, goon. Yeah, the best of the best of all of these minions. All the minions. It's the best one. It's Katakuri. Yeah. That's anyway, the name, right? Let me some Katakuri, yeah. Yeah, okay. I just make sure I got the name right for some reason. My brain told me, wait, that's the wrong name. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the fact that visually he looks like... I think we mentioned this, right? He looks like he came out of a different manga series. Like, straight up. Like, he doesn't look yeah. like he belongs in One Piece. when you Like first a Jojo villain, we said. Yeah, all, straight up. He's got the pose going. He's straight up doing the same pose that, uh, what do you want from uh, Elden Ring? Where <laughs> he's just laying on the wall. He is, he is a JoJo reference. Like, he has to be. He literally says the Joseph line. Like, it's his whole thing. Like, now you've got to do this thing. That, and he's straight that's up. a JoJo reference. Come and on. then he can look into the future, right? Because time we're all, though. Right? That kind of stuff. Um, not to mention, his backstory is actually very heart-touching, too. I don't think it's the strongest, but compared to the other goons, it is. Um, besides maybe pudding, he, but he has a yeah, pretty, as far as goons go, one of the, one of the better backstories. Yeah. That's what I mean. Of the backstories, he is one of the better ones, but it's not, not a the villain, best one. So yeah. 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 Not the best one overall, but I did like what we got. Not to mention in terms of like the actual fight, something that actually did come up, occur to me was in terms of like fighting set pieces, Wano unfortunately was a little bland looking back on it because it was either just like traditional Japanese room with the setting doors and wooden floors some rubble thrown in there, or it was a wasteland, right, on top of uh, the island. Whereas Whole Cake Island, when you had the Katakuri fight, it was in another dimension <laughs> with, like, yeah. turning walls and mirrors. When you watch the anime, it's, like, all these bright visual Ooh. color, or, sorry, mm -hmm. striking colors of purple and red. And then Katakuri with power-wise, at first, it seems pretty boring, right, when I was like, Mochi, seriously, that's this guy's power? But at the end, the way it was presented was like, no, this is literally just Luffy, but a stronger in every version. way. Yeah, so then of what Luffy's, we thought Luffy's Devil Fruit was. <laughs> yeah, at the time. So Luffy's uh willpower fight in that was just I need to like become better. I need to train on the fly, right? It's very traditional shonen, but it feel it pulls off very well at the end. So Yeah, it, it was it was wrapped up nice. Absolutely it was. Um, and he just have he just showed a lot of actual character uh, more than most goons and villains tend to get to. Because like yeah, the, the honor that he had, which is also the reason they like Gen. I like honorable characters, you know, what can I say? Good or bad. Yeah, you would think that, I really thought that King was going to be similar to Katakuri, right? Where he's like, okay, he's a cool guy, right? He's a quieter, cool guy, but he's honorable. Like, King is loyal to Kaido, absolutely. Yeah, he, he would take the, the cheap shots. King is that yeah. kind of fighter. Yeah, and he's then like a pirate fight, bro. Yeah, so. Which I also, you know, in a different way, it's like, <laughs> yep, we take those. Yep, absolutely. So, 
Katakuri was definitely the the one of the best ones of all the henchmen. It, what was his bounty? Was it like one point five billion? One point four? Uh, yeah, ballpark. Yeah, it was. It's pretty damn cool because I know it was uh higher than uh most of Kaido's henchmen. Like, I think Kaido did a pretty good job, like trying to maintain the bounties of like these two emperors. But I think overall, Kaido has the higher end of his goons. Um, it'll be relevant later. Don't worry. I'll just bring up the bounty levels because it's relevant in the recent chapters where we're getting all these updates recently. <laughs> Um, so that was Wano, right? The Wano villains. Yeah, and, I mean, we all, and the, the ones worth cake. mentioning. Yeah, Whole Cake as well. Yeah, sorry. Uh, those are the ones worth mentioning, I think. Um, there's also Vince Smoke Judge. He's a villain eh, for, directly to Sanji. Lame. Yeah, you know, maybe he looks, he looks like a wackier version <laughs> of Hitler. Um, <laughs> you got the, uh, the sister, Raiju, where everyone loves her because, you know, she's hot. But at the same time, like, eh, she's all right. She's like she's the good sister. But yeah, I don't think that they were great vi- as villains. Yeah, they're just I assholes. Mean, it was satisfying though to see Judge cry like a bitch at the wedding table. Right, he thought he was gonna die. That was just satisfying. because he's an a hole. Yeah, exactly. All huge a holes. <laughs> yeah, and it was unfortunate too because in the flashback stories or whenever he was with Sanji, uh, back with the bait, the characterization was str- was great with him. Like it was like no, he's a guy guy who wants to win at any cost. He'll throw away his men without any concern or just to prove a point. Right. But as soon as that was done, it was definitely sidelined to make way for the main villain, Big Mom. So if we do get uh, German 6-6 again in the future, which I'm pretty sure we will because the cover stories have been focusing on the Power Rangers, essentially, for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance we'll see them again in the future, and therefore, Judd. Um, we mentioned Pudding. Uh, and yeah, so those are the most recent villains of the ones that we just left. So let's, just, let's go a little broader. Is there any other villains in the New World? Let's, let's look back at Dressrosa. Obviously, there's Dofi. Let's <laughs> yeah. go back to Dofi. I was going to say, that's not broad in the horizon just yet. What about what's in the immediate future? And I was going to bring up the Cross Guild. Because those three main guys are also all top-tier antagonists in some way. Maybe not one of them, but we'll get to him when we get to him. I kind of want to save Croc, though. You wanna, oh, you want to save the best for last? That's why I <laughs> Yeah. Okay, like okay, 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 okay. Then ignore the fuck what I just said. I'm compressing that shit down. So we're going to go back to Broaden the Horizons. And yeah, so let's broaden and Talk look back. Pink. Tell, that's a goon. <laughs> you mentioned Dofi? We're going to Senior Pink. All right, we're going to Senior Pink. I mean, we're in the Dofi arena now. Yeah. Senior Pink. What a, what a surprise. Like, one, no one was hyped for Senior Pink, I don't think. We were yeah. amused at best. This is listen, Bentham and Senior Pink are the prime examples to the meme of Absolutely. those who don't know and those who know, right? Because those who don't know, they see this is an oversized, weird-looking, hairy character in a baby bib character. What the fuck is One Piece? One Piece fans are so fucking weird. They're so stupid. And then you see those who know. It's like the meme of everyone saluting and crying at the same time, right? <laughs> because that's the strength of Oda's writing, where that's why we're disappointed with Kaido. For a lot, because we get that what, a half chapter of Kaido's backstory, and we were just like, okay, it's okay, I think. But because we know what Oda can do, where you can turn a character that's so weird and even unlikable, like Senior Pink, and you give us a half chapter of backstory, and then we're like getting a sentimental and emotional of like, he's one of the real bros. He's a he's yeah, a but man. then suddenly we're like amongst <laughs> his fangirls going, what a man, what an absolute man. Like you, you want to wear that? You want to drink that baby bottle? You fucking do it, bro. You're doing it. <laughs> You're doing it for the right causes. Do it for Russia. You do it. <laughs> we'll be we'll be supporting you from this whole time. It actually reminds me too of 
one of the fan requests because there was a time period where Oda was taking a break from like the the pre chapter stories and he was doing fan requests. And one of the fan requests was so simple it was just Senior Pink and Frankie actually drinking at a bar and sharing the backstories right. finally. All, and I'm like, great. that was like the best. That would have been my also, uh, recommendation. Pause real quick. That's uh-huh. a good time while we're here since we were just talking about Big Mom and Kaido. And mm-hmm. speaking of fan requests, we had a fan on Twitter oh. ask us a question about uh, Big Mom and Kaido's crew, surprisingly. That's right? So time. might as well talk about that before we completely move along, before we forget. Yeah. Uh, so we won't say the full name, but we'll just say HJ, if you know who you yeah, are. Yeah, Twitter handle was his full name, so we'll just... Yeah. yeah you know who you are. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, say the question out here. I, I did, It's not word for it exactly, but this is basically close to it. I'm going to keep it simple. So, Justin. Jacob, super veteran, super rookie. If you don't get this answer right, you are a fake fan. There's only one objective answer to this. The question is, Tubby Ropo versus the Sweet Generals, who you guys got? Who would win in a fight? You first. Fuck. Yeah. My, my, I have a solid definitive answer. You have a solid definitive answer? Yes, okay, okay. I think it's no contest. All right, so we got to do the usual thing, right? It's time for a death battle. Preference, a reference to the nice YouTube channel. Um, so the, the top Europo and the Sweet Generals, because Sweet Generals is just the top three, right? We're not talking about the entire Yeah, that, the that is Katakuri, Smoothie, and what? And I think Cracker got ousted, right? Yeah. But, or is he still in? Uh, maybe, maybe like Peril Spare? I don't know. I don't know who, who it's currently, but. Uh, I think, I, I think for this sake, I'm going to say Cracker, because if it weren't for Luffy taking him down, he would have been like the number three, because I don't think Pierce Spiro was as strong as him. Um. So, Katakuri, Smoothie, Cracker. We don't know Smoothie's strength, though. That's the big question. We don't know the full potential for power. Like, we know what she can do in terms of, like, immediate power, but we don't know the full extent. But mm-hmm. she's powerful enough to be the top three. And then for the top Europa, we have King, Queen, and uh, Jack. And King and Queen, we know, are fucking strong as hell. However, we also have Katakuri, who I think is, like, if Katakuri fought any of the, the top Europa in one-on-one, I think Katakuri would win. Because he's like the master at the uh, observation hockey, which would make him almost untouchable. But I don't know the full extent to Smoothie and Cracker. But then Cracker also has like the, probably the best defense, right? He the only way Cracker was defeated and was he because... can make an army. Yeah, and then Cracker. Okay, here, let, let me intervene here. I think yeah. it's the Sweet Generals hands down. Even okay, if okay, it we're was in just Cracker and Katakuri. Okay, okay, we're in agreement. I don't okay. think they need. I don't even think they need Smoothie, bro. I think they chump them. Smoothie because is the ice. Smoothie. Just, okay, sorry, sorry for the food pun, but smoothie is the icing on the cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like, just overall, how scaling, power scaling, and units like single people work in One Piece. In a mm-hmm. way, each unit is more like it's almost like an army all to itself. And yeah. a really powerful character like Katakuri is just never going to lose to to Ulti and X Drake, who's chumming it up with like a poo. You know? Yeah. But we're talking about King and Queen and Jack. We're not talking about the, uh... Oh, wait, no, Toby well, Ropo King and is... Queen and Jack are not Toby Ropo. No. Oh, right. Okay, so... Not counted. Right. Okay, okay, it, okay, okay, okay. This is Black Maria, Ulti, Page One, Drake. Okay, yeah. so Sweet Generals versus the actual Toby Ropo. Yeah, Sweet Generals. Even even a down. 6v2, Kazakuri and Cracker. <laughs> I think they got it easy. Okay, I'm, so then... I stand by it. All right, so then let me rephrase. Let me extend that same question. Then, then what about King, Queen, and Jack versus Katakuri, Smoothie, and Cracker? In that, then case, I would need to see what Smoothie's got. 
Exactly. That's but why Jack kind of sucks too. <laughs> <laughs> Jack kept on getting embarrassed the whole time, except yeah. for like he was. They said he was scary and so, but mm-hmm. we never saw him do anything impressive. But the fact that he could swim, I think, gives him such a huge advantage for a pirate fight. Well, he can't I, swim. He can survive. That is true. Actually, yeah, he can survive because he can. He would still be out of the fight until he can. That's get true. Okay, because I was imagining that everyone has to try and stay on land or on the ships if they're raiding, but then. Jack's the only one that can actually dive and swim like Arlong, but then I realize, wait, no, he can't. No, yeah, still can't swim. He still sinks like an anchor. Water. Yep, he's still an anchor. Um, yeah, we need to know what Smoothie needs to do. Um, but yeah, Tubby Ropo versus Sweet Generals. Sweet Generals would win, hands down. Um, just Cracker alone with his ultimate defense. Anyone on the Tubby Ropo that can find out Cracker's weakness of like, oh, you need to moisten the food, but then you have to eat the food. <laughs> no one, no one, oh, yeah, actually, no, they can. They're all dinosaurs. They can eat the food. But, um, who would find that out, right? Who would have, like, the power to liquefy Cracker's defenses and eat them all? Like, you'd have to discover it, right? Because Nami and Luffy didn't find that out until, like, what, eight hours into the yeah, fight? Yeah, even still, no one can eat like Luffy can. Exactly. They couldn't and, eat all the crackers that Cracker could make. Yep. And and then, like we said, Katakuri is, like, of all the characters we've talked about, even King and Queen, Katakuri seems like he would be the strongest hands down. Cracker is actually really strong. I think yes, people that's... sleep on the fact that his bounty was, a- was reflected by one of his biscuit soldiers, which he can yeah. replicate. Like, people don't know that. That's a surprise. Yeah. It's that he one can of make those- a bunch of those. I guess you could say that could be, like, a negative of Whole Cake Island, because there's, like, a villain like Cracker, but because he was glossed over, like, eight hours later, right? But you have to actually yeah. visualize that was I mean, a fight. It would have been on. a little strange, I guess, to, to have, like, that fight when we also had Katakuri, but when we, we got him, like, to have them both be extended. But it also would have been cool to have both those full five. And the wild card smoothie, which we And you totally could have if you just shortened the chase. <laughs> shortened the chase and put a bit more attention to the cracker fight and but, maybe more into the pudding backstory. About. So yeah, we both got sweet generals for sure. I think you're going to agree with us. Yeah, so thank you very much for the question, by the way. H-J. Yeah, we really love the fan engagement. Um... So God, now, we were hopping around to Senor Pink, who we, we said, you know, pour one out for yeah, Rusha. Pour, pour, pour one out for the, for the real man out there. Yeah, let's talk about Dofi. Alright, because Dress Rosa as a whole has a ton of villains, but you cannot think of Dress Rosa without thinking of Do fucking Flamingo. I understand, and I've accepted the fact that people hate this guy, and not on the fact that, oh, because he's a villain, but because he's just too powerful, he's too much I think of a people Sue. hate his devil fruit, but I, I think people still like Dofi, myself included. As a character, right? Because, again, he's so fucking awesome to hate. Oh my god, that stupid <laughs> yeah. vein I, in his he forehead. he has a very good backstory for being one of, the main, one of the better, probably, among the main villains. Such an egotistical, narcissistic asshole should not be that drippy. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Why does he have so much swag? Such an evil motherfucker should not have been able to tap Violet. How fucking... Oh, God! That just isn't fair. <laughs> it's not fair. The fact that he was born with a golden spoon in his mouth, that fucking <laughs> celestial dragon piece of cut. God damn it. Yeah, I, I really think Dopey has a great story. As just God. getting all that ripped from him and then kind of clawing his own way back up through the most deplorable and despicable means and just, you know, becoming completely desensitized. Well, kind of born that way, you know, just yeah. leaning into it even more, even in a more direct and sinister way. I think that and makes the, him just he's dope. I love and Dofi. the fact that Oda was able to intertwine his backstory almost seamlessly with Corazones and Laws at the exact same yeah. time just makes it so much more 
likable from the reader sense, but also more reason to hate this guy because you're like, oh, he also killed Corazon, his own brother, right? Because like, oh, because if you just betray me and my goal, I have no problem killing you right on the spot, giving Law that motivation for us to care for Law as well. And the fact that Joel Flamingo's goal is just he wants to be immortal. He wants to be a god, right? Because he thinks he deserves to be a god. He, he has that. He is. No, that, yeah, he, he has that in the like complex. He's not. Mm-hmm. But like you said as well, his powers are a bit bullshit. I'm sorry, they are. <laughs> they are bullshit, though. It made it entertaining, but they were bullshit at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and it was, it's on theme. I liked the base level of the Devil Fruit as you get the string user, since it leans in. It's on theme as for him, uh, like the manipulative underground broker, and it just works. And but I still thought that was going to be like the primary focus of his powers, too. Like I thought he was going to be literally controlling people, but it ends up being like a side power of his, not his primary power. That was the part that confused me. Um, also, the fact that Oda unfortunately made him too powerful made a huge um, flaw to the story. A huge, um, what's it called? God, I'm brain farting right now. It's a narrative tool Deus in which... Deus Ex Machina? Not Deus Ex Machina. Um, a huge flaw. Just a huge uh, uh, plot hole? Story gap? What the oh, fuck? Plot hole? Plot hole, thank you. <laughs> I mean, that sounds right. My fucking brain. What you're going for? I was going for, um, there's a huge plot hole in Oda's own writing with how powerful he made Doflamingo, which was Doflamingo's birdcage disseminated after he was defeated, right? Which, that's, uh, that's in line with the universe, absolutely don't get, right. Don't get me started on the birdcage, we hate it. Yes, but, we love that's, but that's not the focus, though. That's not the focus. <laughs> <laughs> the focus, though, is how is he able to still keep his organs intact? Because didn't Law cut them all apart? And the whole reason he survived was because, oh, I'm keeping myself alive via my own powers. They're holding, the strings are holding my organs back together. So then shouldn't he be dead after he was knocked unconscious because he couldn't keep his organs together? That's what I mean by the plot hole. <laughs> he made him so powerful. Well, I don't think that's actually a plot hole, personally, but his powers are still bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> that shouldn't have worked, is the reason. But, you know, but we, we do know that even unconscious devil fruit effects usually still remain if they're not like on other people at least or you know what i just thought and, something like even underwater as well you can, you know the devil fruit stuff still stays i guess or uh, something else I, I thought of too or it's the fact that the powers weren't literally keeping the organs together every waking second but like he had to do like makeshift surgery on the fly and yeah, they're exa still exactly. together like, he used yeah. the strings and searched them together then i think those strings would still stay okay because what i was thinking was that he was literally keeping the strings holding everything together while he was still fighting Luffy in Gear 4 and the birdcage. <laughs> and I'm just like, how is Doflamingo not an emperor? <laughs> how yeah, is he not an emperor? Uh, yeah, so the reason why, though, I really want to bring him up, especially for this episode, was he is a, probably a top contender to possibly rejoin this the story and probably even join the Cross Guild in some way because of recent events that happened in the manga. They're like, oh, okay, some theory crafting time. I won't mention if you don't want to, but we'll talk about more in probably the next episode, actually. Yeah, we're going to save that. But let's just say there's a good fucking chance that Doe fucking Flamingo might come back to the fray, and I'm happy to see that. Especially yeah. if we get Gear 5 Luffy reacting to the birdcage and how stupid he can make it look. <laughs> like, he just grabs the bars and just goes, no. <laughs> just crushes it. <laughs> oh, that would be great. And just seeing Doflamingo's face, oh, in the reaction, that would be so worth it. Oh, priceless, there's something's money. So, also, we've got Fujitora. Absolutely, I wrote his name down, right? Possible ally in the future. I have a huge, though, question mark for Fujitora, though, he, because... He's definitely the Admiral I like, 
the most. Right. Oh like, yeah, his person. introduction was great. Yeah. Yeah. He he seems like one of the good guy Marines that I I believe everyone is expecting to kind of over or take over maybe the Marines when they're overhauled or have a at least a hand in overhauling. Yeah, it, if they go with that plot line, yeah. If Oda decides to have a reformed right, Marine happens. and Fujitora would be the new lead, then everyone would be down for it. Um, not to mention he has a fucking Final Fantasy power where he just straight up just summons a meteor because fuck you. <laughs> that was introduced in an arc full of bullshit powers and Fujitora's meteor was overlooked <laughs> because of the birdcage. Yeah, but he's but, still a chump. Can't cut the birdcage. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like, like him as a character, we'll say he's definitely unique amongst the admirals as someone that we consider honorable and, you know, with good intentions for people. And not yeah. just like, oh yeah, I have power and I do this thing. But yeah, exactly. Is. Not to mention the his reaction when he was trying to chase the Straw Hats at the end of Dress Rosa, but he sensed the people like trying to actually help them out kind of thing. And goes, wait, the people actually support these pirates? This is fucking weird and gray. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to... Well, sorry. Well, I'm going to do something first, by not chasing. I will, Aokiji did. Was, uh, was kind of good for people as well. He's mm -hmm. kind of different. Fujitora was more direct, though. Yeah, uh, Okiji was definitely more like, specifically for Robin, right? For, uh, for Jaguar. Where yeah, and, he, like, Aokiji also just instantly froze his own friend to death. For yeah, but that made him girl, question so. himself. That he, when, he, when he had to do that, that's when he started it's questioning. Just, yeah, it's hard thing. to put him, like, in the same tier as Fujitora. I don't want to completely disrespect him, but, you know. Yeah, for Fujitora's sake, it's him trying to realize what's going on with Okiji. It's like trying to get a redemption, right? Where he's trying to figure out, like, okay, I've been doing this shit for a while. Okay, I need to relook at what I'm doing, but it's also yeah, questionable I'm, because let's Kuzan like, real quick. What was that? Kuzan slash Okiji. I'm really curious where his story is going to come back around. Yeah, because the last time we heard about him was he's associated with the Blackbeard Pirates, right? Right, and but, that's so interesting. Yeah, exactly. Very interesting. We'll talk about that more next week. Um, <laughs> next next episode. But at the same time, we haven't seen his ass. I think the only time we've seen him was actually in the non-canon uh, film Zed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's just like, at that point, if that is considered canon by fans, then it's like, well, he's still doing a lot of uh, personal redemption, a lot of like personal like exploration of like, what's what the hell's going on? Like, what's my next move? I gotta, gotta go out and, you know, humble myself, you know, explore the world. So if he's still doing that, then I wonder when the hell we'll see him again. Yeah, so still kind of waiting for his whole story. He's interesting. He did a lot of really interesting stuff. But while we're yeah. on the antagonist, he's definitely up there on honorable mentions because I want to know more about him. Especially his introduction, because this was at the end of arguably a lot of people's worst favorite arc, which was, you know, Davy Fightback. But then he right. pops out of nowhere. He's very chill, very lax, makes a move at Nami, like just nonchalantly. And then threatens Rob because at this point Robin was like almost unemotional for the most part, just always with that you know that creepy smile. And then she's freaking the just fuck pure out. Terror. And yeah, when he's just there, and we're like, okay, shit, we're getting somewhere. And then literally, Oda gets, blesses us with Water Seven next arc. Oh, thank you, Oda. Um, so yeah, Okiji was that introduction was completely solid. Not to mention him, obviously, besting the Straw Hats easily. Um, and then contender for fleet admiral but losing to akainu the also possible head head honcho for possible last boss of the series i don't think so but he could be a contender of the fleet the current fleet admiral right mr lava boy oh yeah akainu about? yeah that's his name right well i know that sorry that's yeah, his Sakazuki. title name right sakazuki is his name yeah and then akainu is his title name i only know them by their title names <laughs> yeah, um fine. but um we don't know about much about Akainu other than that he is straight up like a military man through and through. 
if he sees like there is an Brutal, opposition like ruthless. like pirates, yeah, he will do anything to make sure it is shock and awe treatment. It is put down. Um, I forgot what chapter it was. I think it was like ten fifty, early ten fifties, where like the revolutions were starting, right? The Eight Island Revolution or something. And he's like, "All right, you know what? I'm gonna fucking go for it, dude. We're gonna knock everyone out of the park at yeah, the exact he, same he time." On. And you're just like, "That's not good." <laughs> but like for us reader, you're like, "Shit!" Over your hands, you're going like, "Getting some content in the future." <laughs> <laughs> but you're also worried that, oh no, he's willing to kill anyone, anything, anyone to get his way. But as a character, it's kind of like that just that surface level right where he's just a bit brutal bad guy but from the marines perspective kind of like kaido yeah so, all of the admirals are kind of like that borsalino included we what are we gonna know about borsalino uh, he's also gta stylish nothing i always hear the gta 4 menu theme when i see his face all the time he's got a really cool <laughs> devil fruit he's stylish and that's it, and that's it. <laughs> um if we ever do get backstory for our kaido i bet you it's like straight up like it'd be simple right like kind uh kaidos but it'll be like Pirates invaded his island and they raped pillage. It's like the worst shit imaginable. Like some terrible shit. Yeah, and it'll be like, yeah, straightforward. You don't need to be more complex than that. And his entire story of being a Marine is to get revenge on all criminals, right? On anything that destabilizes the world. Uh, Dress Rosa had a lot of villains. Uh, I want to give an honorable mention to Sugar for probably the most creepy power that we've seen so far. If you're not including, uh, no, definitely one of the creepiest powers in all of One Piece. Straight up just. Touch a person, turn them into a toy, and anyone know- that knows you forgets you. Straight up. And if, the longer you spend a toy, <laughs> the longer you start forgetting. Or shit. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's just a little girl. Actually, no, it's a young woman, right? But stuck in the little she's, girl's body. She's a no woman. Food. Yeah. Just a lady. Yeah. And also, the best defeat, because we got fucking Usopp's face twice for God King Usopp's moment. <laughs> so I had, to bring, I had to mention Sugar there. Um, I also want to mention Pika as well, just from the anime. Hearing that voice was just music to my ears. Oh my god! Because <laughs> I imagine, <laughs> I imagine Kermit the Frog voice, but ended up being even higher pitched than that, and I was so thankful. I was like, "Thank you, Toei." <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. Not hold back on that. Um, I want to mention the Great Eam at the Reverie, but honestly, we just don't know anything about the guy other than that he looks so fucking scary, and you know he looks eldritch almost at the same time. But again, yeah. we don't know anything; just his eye shape. And that it matches another character that we're saving for later. Um, he has a jerk, weird ass, fucking lean form, kind of like Slender Man. He's out, his, his like his, his crown again. That we don't know, dude. We just know his shadowy figure. That's it. But I wanted to mention him too because again, recent events in the manga are have to reminding us that he could potentially be one of the contenders for final, the final boss, right? The final antagonist of Wendy. Yeah, could be. Um, let's see. Okay, I guess we'll talk about him now. All right, so we're going back. <sighs> Caesar Clown. Clown. Yeah, Caesar. Talk, yeah, Caesar, dude. Caesar I, don't, I don't know why you hate him so much. He did have a, a bad intro or introduction. And he's, he's a piece he's, of shit. He's a piece but of damn, shit. Absolutely. Funny. Yeah. So okay, I'll start off with the things I do like about him. He is one of the most corrupt, like evil motherfuckers in the series. He experiments on children for the sake of money. For the sake of ego, right? Because, oh, because I can and I want my respect that I'm due earn. How dare your vegan punk not give me the, you know, the, the benefits and honor that I, uh, the repertoire that I deserve. But I'm going to keep experimenting on these kids because, hey, you, you forced my hand, you know, you didn't give me my, my, my due success. I'm going to start treating black market shit and start, start dealing with big moms, start dealing with uh, Doflamingo. 
So that's the part that does it right, right? He is one of the most evil motherfuckers. Uh, he tried to play wise, the system, you know, tried to take a low and do his own thing. It just didn't work out for him. Yeah, and his power does match his evil scientist persona, right? You, fucking biological warfare shit. Like, that straight up match. Design-wise, it's kind of wacky, but also traditional at the same time, right? He looks like, you know, just an evil clown with a mask, right? The, kind of like the, the, the arts, you know what I mean? Like the arts and theater kind of look where you have like the happy face mm-hmm. and the sound face mask. He's got like both of those going on for him. But... At the same time, there's a limit to how much I can handle without actual reasoning to back it up. He's one of the weaker villains, but he has the ego of Doflamingo, which we get later in the next chapter. Mm-hmm. But he gets one-shotted by Luffy, I think, twice in Punk Hazard. Uh, but the first time, he's able to knock out Luffy in a very awkwardly presented scene where it's like, are they not breathing? What's the problem here? Right? That, that first scene yeah. where everyone gets knocked at the same time. And then the second time where... After chapters of everyone just running through dull gray steel hallways from the gas, Luffy finds Caesar and then punches him. And then that's the end of that. So it ends up being like a kind of unsatisfying fight at the same time. Also, it's not Caesar's fault, but it's my personal head can't, it's my personal brain that I can't separate the two. It's the fact that he's the main villain for my least favorite arc, Punk Hazard. And it's the one arc I actively don't like in One Piece. Whereas even like Divi Fight Back, I have fun with it. Little Garden, it's got some, it's got some benefits too, right? The giants are fun, the vocation's fun. Um, Zoro's pretty funny in that. But Punk Hazard, it's there's more negatives than positives, and that's the only arc that I think that has that problem. And unfortunately, Caesar is just by association with that. So when I see him, I think of Punk Hazard. I think of how I think of I think of the other stuff now punk hazard's been so far removed from me that I think of gangster gas you know and you know more stuff and even then but even then I I talk about the the meeting he was at with the whole king island right where he was trying to disguise himself pretty a different persona that was kind of give yourself uh, 12 years you'll get over it (laughs) 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 that's actually a good point that's actually a good point because for me it was a few months for you it's Mm -hmm. been years (laughs) um yeah that's my problem with that uh, none of the goons were very mo- memorable. I guess people like Monet, but I think it's because she was the hot one, right? Because she was the harpy. Basically, but hot girl. Also, one of the few ones to actually die on screen. Caesar straight up killed her, thinking it was law, I think. Yeah. Um, that was brutal. Also, we still haven't seen the story play out, but obviously, like, the whole thing with Zoro unable to fight women kind of thing. Like, is that going to play out because monet reminded us of that right with tachiki mm-hmm. and monet fight and how he was only able to cut down monet when he saw her as a beast and not as a woman and i still had that theory that oda will somehow eventually give us although again we're worried about that because time's running out that he'll expand on the fact that whenever zoro fights a woman he sees uh Huina? is that her name yeah yeah so i that a little, like a little ptsd there so i'd be interested in seeing that so wanted to bring monet on that um any other expanded universe, <laughs> expanded universe, extended villains from the new world? Um, mm, no. Not really. Hody Jones could have been really fucking good. No, he could have been I one of my favorite no. villains. <laughs> but he could have been one of my personal favorites, but Oda dropped the ball, unfortunately, on that. Yeah. Um, oh, the real heroes, Justin. We forgot about the real heroes in this series. Duffy and Zolo from Return of Shibodi, the fake straw hats. <laughs> the real villains. We can't, we can't go on without them. And the other crew members, Naimi, Sanji, uh, Chooper. Oh, such great villains. Such great villains. Um, top tiers. <laughs> top All right, tiers. Let's, let's quit dodging <laughs> people. Let's get to cross kill. All right. 
Oh, you want to get cross kill already? All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the the main. Well, that's the what's time, remaining. Well, that's the time skip. Pre time skip is a lot more villains, but I don't know if they're as good. There's a couple of yeah, good that ones, is, though. But I mean, we're going pre after Punk Hazard. You're going pre time skip. Well, I'm yeah. That, I, I sorry. You want to stick to cross kill, or you want to cover pre time skip before? I, I thought you want to say cross kill for last. Oh, I mean, the cross guild members are all pre time skip characters. Is what I'm, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll save those for the last of the pre time skip. Because I'm still, because I'm kind of going backwards right now. Who, who else did you really want to mention from there? From the pre time skip? Yeah, that's um, not in cross guild. Uh, well, for like me, Moria? you got something to say well, about Moria? Well, I think we mentioned him quite a bit. Um, yeah. I was gonna say uh, Carlos from Shibodi, right? Oh, Charlos. Charlos, yep. <laughs> yeah. Even <sighs> is he a villain? Hell yeah, he is. <laughs> he's, he's also just a piece of shit. He's a punk ass bitch, but he's still he's a not, villain. <laughs> he's like a result, you know. As I said, like I hate, I dislike him, but it's hard. It's hard to really, really hate him when they, they're just the result of the system, kinda. Well, he's the one that has I, no problem. I, with I, the system I, I gotta see the whole picture, you know. You gotta see the whole picture. Are we talking about the same character, the person who gets punched by Luffy? Right? Yeah, like he was there. Like I hate CDs, but I need to see the whole picture. The only Celestial Dragon I feel that way that you talked about was the one that actually helped Vivi, Rebecca, I forgot his name, the one that helped at Fishman uh, Island. Mjolskard. I think that's his name? Um, yeah, Don Quixote Mjolskard. The one who actually came around and is now under Celestial Dragon investigation for the attempted murder of, of Charlo. Um, that's the only one I have any sympathy for, but despite them being, like, victims of the system, because Charlos is, like, one of those guys who's like, no, I love the system, fuck you, give me slaves. Like, he has no problem with it. I feel like, okay, he has no redeeming qualities. <laughs> um, but I get what you're trying to say. Um, yeah, it's like, I hate him, but not in, this, in the way that I hate people that are actively... Which, it's hard to say, because he is actively villainous as well. You, yeah, go, you, you get it. You get it. Yeah, without getting too much into details, uh, like, political reasons. But it's more like the higher up to the top you are, the harder it is to find redeeming qualities. <laughs> if you're, like, yucking it up, you know? Um... For other villains, oh, it's because we're talk we want to talk about the Goonies, right? Uh, this is kind of like a Goonie for the Straw Hat fleet, I guess, because that first time we saw him, he was a villain. It was Duval, the guy who was the Sanji's wanted poster, <laughs> the old wanted poster. <laughs> like, you ruined my life, and then he ends up. We mentioned probably... him last week on the homies. That's, we a, that's my boy. Yeah, dude. Did we mention Duval? And if we if... didn't, that's a travesty. Uh, that's why I brought him up now. I'm almost sure. Pretty we did. sure we didn't. <laughs> But either way, we'll make it short, but Duval came around, helped protect the Thousand Sunny during the the two-year time skip. The whole time he helped defend, as well as the other guy I want to mention, Kuma the Khan. Um, When when Chibodi first started, I thought he did a fucking... Like one of the yeah, worst. You've been saying that so much. I want to remind you that that is not his title, and it's never nope, been said. No, it's not. It's Kuma the Tyrant. It's okay. Kuma the Tyrant. <laughs> I know. <I'll laughs> I want to make sure you remember but, that. But I will always write down Kuma the Khan because my head cannon is better. <laughs> um, Kuma the Khan. Um, Kuma the Tyrant. Kuma the the bear the bear pad bear hand guy. Um, he's definitely a lot more relevant again. But um, I want to bring him up because yeah, Shibodi, At the time when I was reading, he was like, "Holy shit, this guy separated the Straw Hat." He separated the Nakama, you know, the family. This is like the worst villain you could do. Oh my god! I mean, he literally saved them. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously in hindsight, yeah, then he actually saved them by transporting them to like the best possible locations for training <laughs> to actually get them ready for the the ti- the time skip for the for the the new world. So he did them a great service. Um, we mentioned Borsalino. Uh, 
we talked about Moria enough in our Thriller Bark episode. Um, same thoughts still apply. We're talking about the best ones here, not the worst ones. Yeah, I, I don't feel the need to talk about everyone. I want to talk about the best. That's what oh, I say. I think oh, Crosskill oh, oh. is left. Lucci. CP9. Lucci. Rob Lucci. What do you want to say about Lucci? <laughs> <laughs> well, we talk about how much we love Water 7 and E's Lobby. We have to talk about one of the it's best because of, it's Like, they're just, they, it's like cardboard cutouts for, you know, like, evil. <laughs> like, evil government they are, agents. Could have been we, anyone. Okay. Lucci is abs- cool. You're absolutely right. They are cardboard cutouts of characters. Like, even when we got Lucci's backstory, it's more like, okay, yeah, you're just a soldier boy. Got it. But they're also really fucking good cutouts yeah, because you still... They're pretty stylish. Yeah, they, got, they all got the black suits. Yep, everyone's dressed up like they're ready for a Metallica concert. Just, they're not great villains because they're pawns. You know, none, the not a single one of them has agency. Yeah, exactly. The they're all, they're, yeah, they're not, they're not like villainous they're all necessarily. They're just soldiers. But we're talking about uh, designs well, for the Well, I mean, Lucci well. is pretty fucking evil, but... <laughs> yeah. But we're talking about designs for the characters as well, and they're pretty iconic as well. Like, even for Goonies, it's like, I remember all the Goonies pretty easily. Yeah, they and, and Lucy really also, like, I, I like the that he's, like, a leopard devil fruit, and he was, like, a villain. He was hiding in disguise, right? Like a camouflage stalker. It was cool. Mm-hmm. It all makes sense. Thematically yeah. appropriate. But and he, obviously, it is what it is. He's just, he's Lucy. He's and, also, and then, obviously, we can't forget the true villain of CP9, Hattori, the pigeon. We can't forget right, him. The real mastermind. When they showed Shatori, Hattori, when they showed Hattori with the top hat, it was so fucking cute. <laughs> um, also, oh, in the same in the same line as Charlos, uh, Spandam, fucking love hating that guy. Oh my yeah. god, that piece of shit weasel. And one of the biggest mistakes we made as podcasters, we none of us brought the fact that Spandam looked like um, the wrestler, <laughs> the same exact iconic. Oh, mask. we did. Mankind. Mankind. I don't. I, I don't think. That- we- if if we did, you did. I didn't. I know that. Yeah, that, <laughs> I think that happened. It's like okay, you know what? If it didn't happen in our head canon, just like Kuma that's Khan, it did happen. <laughs> I, mean, I definitely knew that. I've made the reference before. It just it's hard to remember if it was on or off air. Yeah, that's also the point too. Um, also Kaku being like uh, like of the CP nine guys, he was actually like the, probably the most friendly, even though he was still a fucking goon. He was still a bad guy, obviously. But he was the funniest. Yeah, it's like he wasn't necessarily, like, hateful. But yeah. he was, you know, because he's just doing his job. Hell, there was, like, for two chapters when I thought Kaku would be the engineer for the Straw Hats. Fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, man, the times have changed. <laughs> um, oh, honorable mention for Water 7. It's still my favorite Sanji fight. It's for Wanza, Wanzi, uh, the guy on the train. Oh, where, yeah. Where With the, the dopest fucking moment where Sanji uses his hands in a fight. I still can't get over it. It's the only fight where he used I really did think that was a turning point. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it was because it was food-based, so that's why he used his hands. But yeah, either way... Immediately shut down. Like, I would only do this to food. And I was like, damn. But the, but the fact that there's a moment where you see Sanji fighting and he has dual, like, knives in his hands, and I'm just like, okay, we're yeah, getting... Okay, rad. you know what? There's an alternate universe where this becomes more of a permanent thing, and that might be the dopest shit. <laughs> um, do it in your One Piece D&D campaign. But... Yep. <laughs> We mentioned Bentham last week. Uh, we'll save that person for last or later. Uh, Laboon was technically a villain in Reverse Mountain in the traditional antagonist wow. sense. <laughs> in the antagonist sense. In the antagonist sense. I want to mention him because obviously we really want that Brooke Laboon reunion, obviously. Um, also, honorable mention for Reverse Mountain, uh, Miss Wednesday was also a villain. True. <laughs> Phoebe. Best villain in the whole series if you counter. Yep. Oh, 
And I want to bring up these two. These are the last two before we go to the cross guild. Um, I want to mention Arlong. He's still one of my personal favorite villains. What? Um, I fucking hate Arlong. He's a bitch. Yeah, but I love to hate him. <laughs> also, just again, like the way that he was presented as a villain, especially in the first hundred chapters of One Piece, he was definitely the best villain besides, I guess, maybe Mihawk, if you count that. But the first hundred chapters of One Piece, like Arlong is the the best villain hands down and he will be until we get to for, for me arlong is like a hate to hate villain like i just hate like a lot <laughs> i would yeah. hate him if he were a real person i hate him like as he is he, what, you you're know, saying not, you, wait you said you're like don't flamingo and that, that, that's not saying like i hate the way he was like written like i just ooh, i love i hate arlong a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's a crap yeah he is like fundamentally most... opposed to his views and i think he's a, a punk ass you know? Oh yeah, and then yeah, even when we got the Fishman Island flashback, it just confirmed like no, he is literally a punk ass bitch. Where he is just like the most one noted. I hate every human, no matter what. Even when they try and justify it, right, and you go, okay, that is justification, but he never, even with sailing with right, Fisher like, Tiger, you hate to and, say that there are other villains that are a little like empathetic or sympathetic, but he's like he's not at all. Yeah. That's why if we ever see that guy again, man, if we ever see that guy again, it would, I would be love a for it's... Nami to 1v1 Arlong. Yes. That would be the only reason I'd want to 1v1? Okay. Okay. Imagine this. 1v1. Arlong thinks he has the upper hand, right? He's in the water, right? He's like, oh, you humans are so weak. You can't. He uses his usual sping, right? He uses his usual, like, oh, you humans can't swim. He's swimming around. He's going to get the extra speed, right? He's going to plan on impaling her or some shit. And then she just calls on a lightning bolt. Zaps down the water. And then Fry's, he jumps out, but he's fried, so then he flops out, right? So he's, like, all disoriented. He's kind of falling out. And then with the staff, Nami just whoosh, and just locks him, one-shots him. He's down for the count. Two shots. Lightning bolt, staff, and the fight. Oh, please make it happen. <laughs> and that would all he deserve, and I want that. Because you're absolutely right. He is a punk-ass bitch, and he's been impelled down, so I don't think he's been training. I don't think he's going to be up to par. He's weaker than the goons at this point in the new world, but just give me that closure. I didn't get that in Arlong Park, but please give me that fucking closure. <laughs> um, the big boys. I didn't know. I, um, yeah, and so, Mihawk. Well, I'd say to start there because okay. we kind of talked about him already, and he's still. There's not too quick, too much to say. Sorry, real quick. Did you want to mention Jin at all or no? I think I said enough. Okay, talk about Jin. Okay, yeah, I think I said. Okay, okay. So Mihawk, go for it. Yeah, we like we said, we kind of had discussed that he's very enigmatic still to this point, 1,000 end, for having appeared relatively early within the first 100 chapters. First fucking panel, dude. And what, what an entrance. What Our, an entrance. He gets the proper, like, build-up, right? Because we see Don and Kree, we see his crew, and we know that, oh, these are the villains of the arc, right, Verite? But these guys are going, we just left the Grand Line, and one dude did this to our entire fleet a sword and we're like really the, we're, we're, we're getting that build up right and then we see the reaction of the crew going oh my god it's him and we're like what and then we get mm -hmm. the panel and he's just sitting cross leg hands are just holding he's just sitting minding his own business on the ship but we get a low camera angle looking up you see the outline of a sword on his back that looks like a giant cross he's got like the old like spanish look where he's got like the um the tatted the fake tatted sleeves He's got the uh, like musketeer hat almost, and he's got the goatee, the mustache. He's you can got the tell eye. he needs business as he pulls up. I I like to imagine Oda spent so long designing this character, and we still know nothing about the dude. <laughs> oh, sorry, we <laughs> did know nothing about the dude except for very minimal stuff. And then a couple of chapters ago, we learned that he was a marine hunter, 
And then he's obviously going to be rivals with the pirate hunter. It all comes together. But even then, we still don't know that much about his backstory, right? We just got a little bit of a taste of that as his reintroduction into the relevancy of the what story. Yeah, and he's, he's really one of the most on the line between whether or not he's a villain or yeah, like an ally or just neutral. Yeah. I know we're saying we're talking about villains and goonies for the sake of simplicity, but yeah, overall, we, we mean antagonist. Obviously, that's why I brought up Laboon for that little portion there. But um, yeah, for Mihawk, it's still like his presence is still like the best part of Barate. <laughs> Besides like the backstory of like Sanji and uh, Zip. But um, but yeah, his fight with Zoro, I still think that's one of Zoro's best fights, to be honest. Is the I like fight. the theme of Bratier. I think it's one of the better themes of East Blue. That's like the oh, one absolutely. arc that's actually about like chasing your dreams. Mm-hmm. It really hammered that in. Not to mention, but if you think about it, Mihawk also hammered that in, right? Where he's talking to Zoro, and Zoro's literally cut yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, that's part of Bratier. Yeah. Yep. And then Mihawk's impressed, which, again, to reiterate, Zoro is still one of Zoro's best fights. Him being cut down by Mihawk was a nice, like, humble moment for Zoro, because he was getting, you know, he, was, he won some fights so far. He was getting pretty cocky and confident. And then Mihawk shows around, and he goes, okay, I'm a, but I am a swordsman. I'm going to challenge you. You see him getting a little antsy and sweaty when the names are being dropped before the fight, but he still rises up to the challenge. But, man, when Mihawk just pulls out the bunny dagger and just goes, I ain't using a cannon to hunt, all right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're less than small fry. And then he reinforces that. Oh, my fucking God. I was complaining earlier about, like, Caesar's ego not matching his power. Mihawk yeah, is in those moments generally <laughs> when you expect like your hero or protagonist to, to prove him wrong somewhat like maybe land a hit but no he just got chumped like and he actually w- just got destroyed with that tiny little embarrassing dagger yeah and it was funny t- it's interesting where it, you think normally like that's completely disrespectful it's like no Mihawk is humbling him he's telling him no this is the power level you need to achieve to because I can just take you out with this if they're basically like you're disrespecting me right now is what's happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope you understand that now. I come from the Grand Line, I'm a warlord of the sea, and you're just an up-and-coming East Blue swordsman challenging me? You motherfucker. Yeah, you're, but, you're gonna get to take the Yoru, son. But, Zoro wins his respect by having the swordsman mentality, right? Of like, no, I, yeah, I'm aware I, I, I'm aware I caught myself in a corner here, but I'm gonna still keep on fighting to the last breath. And then, obviously, when he loses two of his three swords, and then he turns so that his front is facing Mihawk before he does the final death blow. And Mihawk goes, what the hell are you doing? He goes, no, so- no scars on my back, right? That's like, that's just, that's like a swordsman's shame. I'm not gonna die a shameful swordsman. And then Mihawk mutters magnificent before sparing him, right? But before that humble scar that we still see Zoro have this day. Big theory, Mihawk gets a scar on his back. Done. <laughs> God damn, dude. So yeah, we're definitely waiting. Oh, I know we talked about like hypothetical possible fights in the future with Arlong. I want the start to Mihawk's fight with Zoro when that inevitably happened. Mihawk teases by pulling out the dagger again immediately, right? To like go, oh, are you I fucking don't serious? He, I don't think no, he will. no, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. He'll pull it out and then go, nah, <laughs> and then put it back and then start off with the sword, right? And go. I right, think. Right. I think if anything, he'll like pull the necklace off and just throw it to the side. I think that would be cool. Okay, you know, okay, fine. I was like, I would think of a comedic I, I, approach. Yeah, I, but... I don't even think he would whip it out as a joke at this yeah, point. Yeah, he would. You know? He would. Yeah. Yeah, your version is better. He would rip off the necklace to reinforce to us and Azora, like, no, I ain't gonna kid around with you. This is gonna be a, a real fight. This is gonna be a real fight from minute one. I appreciate that. That's a better fair. 
So yeah, and for that fight, I, I need that dramatic samurai movie. Yep, in intro. the flower petal fields. Yep, Sakura blossoms in the wind. It needs to be one for one that shot from uh, Sekiro, right? Or uh, for Tsushima, any of those classic swordsman yeah. games. Just one for one, exactly the same. Hell, make it like a wide shot too, where you have like the black bars and all the panels. Just fucking do that <laughs> as well. Just fuck it. Go the extra mile. It'll save you some time on drawing, Oda. You just. Have like the top of each, a top and bottom of each panel being a uh, widescreen black barred. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> um, so that wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> wouldn't be mad. At, at least at first, right for the introduction of the fight. At least for the introduction. Yeah. Um. So that's Mihawk, the one third of the Cross Guild. Let's go with what people thought was the head guy in charge and the guy who Bugs. keeps failing upward. <laughs> Even back at Orangetown, I did love this guy. This Bunny guy is was the so funniest funny. character in One Piece. Yep, he's got great comedic timing. It's Usopp's comedy, but cranked to an 11 because he's got powers to back it up, right? Where he bogs into a wall and then all his limbs shoot off, right? And it's in universe, it's in canon. <laughs> he, he yeah, can Bunny is just, he's so constantly entertaining whenever he's on panel or screen. Even when he's like actually coming up with plans and being devious, he's entertaining still. Like I remember Impel Down, where he told Luffy to throw his feet down on the dagger floor, and then he floated them across with his power. And he was like, "Hell yeah!" Like he's like, it's yeah. his element, right? He's showing off. Yeah, he's he's intelligent. He's not like a genius, but he's not stupid. He he, he knows he, how to capitalize on a situation as well. He's very opportunistic, and yeah, he'll take he, advantage of situations. Like kind of like Nami, actually. A little bit, yeah. That's kind of like a great introduction to Nami as a character, because yeah, you yeah, have Dolan and they're introduced who, together. Yeah, similar perspective. Um, what I will like about Buggy too is that <laughs> he uh, he completely understands that he should not be in the situation he's in right now because he is surrounded by these other warlords of the sea, and he's like, <laughs> I need to get the fuck out. But now he's in a spot now where, hey, guess what? The world is looking to you now as a new threat besides the revolutionaries, to the stability of the world government, and you're at the face of it. <laughs> he's just crying, going, Poor please Bucky. let me go, please. <laughs> uh, and I think there's even a moment to, I guess, we can't be drawn that bush forever, to Crocodile. I think there's a panel where <laughs> Crocodile, like, hooks his hook into uh, Buggy's head and, like, like, clocks it off, but because of Buggy's power, it just bounces away. Is that yeah. a panel in the manga? Is that what happened? Or would that it look like that Where, like, yeah, Crocodile's like, I can't torture this guy. He, he, he cuts off his own head before I can do it myself. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Buggy is just so entertaining. And when he wants to look intimidating, Oda can make him look intimidating. He looks like the, you know, the monster clown. Easily. He's got the makeup. He's got the outfit. He's got, like, the new uh, Banshee look, too, where he extends his limbs so he looks much bigger and taller than he is with a cloak. And I really do like that for his appearance because it's all show, right? It's all yeah. show. But power-wise, he's not as strong as you think. But defensively, he is. It's still a mystery if he can actually survive a conflict with Mihawk. <laughs> it become a, a conflict of endurance, right? <laughs> it's still a mystery. Um, for the record, I think Mihawk would still win that. But again, it's the question is there, right? If could Buggy actually survive a second against Mihawk? Um. But yeah, and also mention just Buggy's crew of like hyper loyal dumbasses that think anything yeah. he does is godlike and amazing. It's like even worse than the. Uh, Honestly, the I don't know why we don't just call all of Buggy's followers the circus. Because the really circus, should, it really is. It really is. I think it literally is supposed to be the point. It is. Yeah, all. like literally <laughs> the circus <laughs> is just they're always there for for him. They're never gonna like <laughs> see him down and 
They're funny. I like <laughs> Mr. Three being around that as the one that does see through the bullshit. Yeah, I do. And it's just he's, like, he's I, I cannot I believe they're buying this shit. <laughs> you know, he doesn't say anything because he's benefiting as well. I can't believe he hasn't gotten a haircut yet. He's still Mr. <laughs> like, literally, he's Mr. Three. <laughs> yeah, I know his name is Galdino, but until you take the three out of your hair, you're really... Yeah, I'm calling you Three. You're dude. choosing I'm... to be Mr. Three. I'm calling right? you Mr. Three. Yeah, I'm calling you Mr. Three, and I'm reminded I of... will call you Mr. Three until you take that out of your hair. God, I, I keep remembering the stupid panel from Impel Down where he's showing off his powers, and it's like... Honestly... Is that, is that a reference? <laughs> I was going to say his introduction panel was also one of the, one of the funniest. When it int- you know, it's a huge three. Like, do you think they're going to know that I'm Mr. Three? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah, I admit. It's pretty funny. But... Ah, uh, that's fine. <laughs> I have... Obviously, I have a, a thing against Mr. Three, Caesar Clown, a couple of the Goonies, but... Uh, he ha- he has been coming around. He's not as annoying. But again, that three MVP it, of Marion Ford. I hate that you're kind of right. I hate that. Kind of. No, you you couldn't. Ace wouldn't even have a chance without him. They but then I but, but then I tell myself. Him. But then I tell myself with my copium, my forty eight tanks of copium, <laughs> white beard, <laughs> real MVP. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Ace like L MVP, bro. Like threw it all at the end. Oh, uh, the disrespect. Now that's disrespect. Ace <laughs> is, is the LVP, and I mean, oh, it, stop. It, think about it, think about it. It's too soon. Who who did the uh, the least for his own escape? It's too well, soon. Ace. It's too soon. <laughs> I I mean we we discussed it. I hate to say it, but he he threw it away at the end. So uh, we've been there. Listen to our Marine Ford episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. Um, do you want to talk about him finally? Is yeah, it let's, let's go. Let's keep on. We're already kind of talking about him. We're talking yeah. about Croc. How much we love Croc. Is he's he still, just he's is the he first still, really sinister villain, right? He he still remains because he came back and he's like, no, I'm packed with a full fucking force. I'm now in charge of the cross yeah, like, guild. This man felt reverberations in the air about Pluton, and he like came from the grave. He's like, well, Pluton, ancient yeah. weapons. He knows we about the ancient weapons. Like, how many villains in One Piece that we know of, besides the emperors, right, that actually are aware of the ancient weapons and what they could do to the uh, world? I think he's the only one that's ever mentioned them. Of the warlords, I think he is, right? Yeah. Because Gecko, no, maybe Delphine. Well, how many, how many other people have mentioned them at all? I don't think Delphine. That's did. why I brought up the question because I think Delphine mentioned might a treasure. Know. He would, know. he would be most likely to know. I agree. Yeah, because Delphine, he's he knows a dirty secret about the celestial dragons, which might be the giant straw hat, right? Not the ancient weapon. Still, though, I but... think the world that like the old history is kind of a domain all of its own. Don't yeah, know, and Crocodile knows about it, which makes him an absolute threat. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about earlier with like ultimate defense powers, Cracker having that defense. We have to remember, Crocodile has the same defense, where if you have water on your fists, right, then he's vulnerable, but he's still not, you know, like a glass cannon. And because Luffy still had to beat him down to, you know, to a very close fight. Yeah, he, and, he can still take a hit. Yeah, and if you don't have water, guess what? You literally cannot hurt him, because he's just a bullshit Sandman power. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, that's because Croc said he... It wasn't really reflexive, right? But he had trained himself to turn into sand before getting hit. So you yeah. wonder if even hockey would negate that if he really is like moving his body out of the way. Exactly. To the point where you're striking like the leftover sand. You're, if you're not even really hitting him. Yeah, he's just moving. He's like forming it out of the way and you're not getting a hit would be pretty yeah. impressive. So I think what will happen is if the cross guild and straw hats come up with each other in the future, L- Luffy won't be the one fighting crocodile head on. It'll be another straw hat. But they'll have who, to find out in their who, own way. Who? Oh. I'm Nami. Just, well, I'm thinking if Nami's yeah, Nami, a Nami, I think Nami right? would. Is it weird that I think Nami has a chance at beating Crocodile? 
No, it's not weird because a support role, like like the Cracker and Luffy fight, right? I think she, she would support. need someone else, though. Yeah, like it would yeah. be a two v one by herself. Crocodile would rush in. He would in, just, right? yeah, he'd just destroy your. But that's why maybe she could get away with Zeus. I don't know. I, again, it, I think it's a support role. Ugh, God, it reminds me. God, I really hope Oda does not just diminish Nami to just Thunderbolt everywhere because now Zeus is a part of the Klamatech. Please don't be that turn his ass to glass. Yeah, please. That'd be dope. But yeah, exactly. Just have someone like... Oh, uh, shit. How sick would it be for, like, Crocodile's end fate to be, like, stuck as a like, turn to a glass statue by a oh, lightning bolt from Nami? That would be great. But I'm That'd also thinking Jinbei. Jinbei would be a hard counter. Oh, yeah. Jinbei, Jinbei would smack him, I think. Yeah. Literally do, like, a water bullet power. But Crocodile could water. dodge the water, right? Water, he could dodge it if he's aware it's I, coming. I think... Well, if not... If, Imagine if Nami just made it rain. I don't want to get but too into that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's why ultimately but, yeah. you need... Yeah, that's why ultimately you need Nami to make the it The point rain. being... Oh, Croc- wait! Strong. No, Crocodile can control weather, too. He can make Loki. it not rain. Theoretically. Theoretically. Yeah. He needs... Oh, wait, I you think, know what? I think he can. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, so he needs that powder, right? The Arabasta power... That powder thing that makes it rain, right? He needs a couple of that, throws it somewhere else, so it keeps it dry. Then, with his power, he can maintain it, so it's a drought. But that's like a long-term yeah. effect. So Nami's is immediate, but smaller scale. So he says, yes, and he could probably stop it from raining just by putting like a, a layer of sand above him. Right? Yeah, like something protection. like that, and then maybe constantly interchange. But that's the like sand. overt. It's not the secret. Yeah, way I feel like we're them. getting into like completely like nerdy like death battle technical <laughs> talk where it's like, yeah, we, really are. we love I love Crocodile. He's really I, strong. It's the point we're trying to make, and we're glad he's back around. He's we're really excited for Cross Guild. Yes, I also... Because uh, Cross Guild is the reason the ancient weapons are going to come back into play. They're going to be pursuing them, because Croc's in charge, and he wants them. The worry I do have about Cross Guild, uh, the worry I have is because the first time we got Crocodile, we had Arabasta, right? We had this whole backstory of con- of conspiracies, setups, espionage, yeah, man, if all Mihawk this maniacal shit. Is actively helping, if they're actively working together in whatever their goal is. That is ooh. a deadly alliance. That's Yeah, that is a Yonko <laughs> level force for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what I'm curious is, are we going to get that same level of like setup and and intrigue with that we got with Arabasa if Crocodile is the head honcho of the cross guild? Are we going to get that again? Because if not, it's going to be a little disappointing because Crocodile to me shines the most when he has the resources to back it up, right? Yeah. Because he's not just a direct fighter. He can be, but he chooses not to because he has the brain, right? He'll use the brawn when he has to, like when he's fighting Luffy. But ultimately, his plans are always larger scale. It always involves whole nations. It involves the world. He literally is a traditional old villain where he wants to take over the world, but he has the brain and power to do so. He just needs the resources, which is why he went to budget, right? To get a start on that. He tried to revamp the the baroque works so to speak so yeah now that he's got buggy's delivery service like under his wing he might have the resources god now that you play man now that you mentioned crocodile turning the glass and nami just zapping his ass it's very appealing (laughs) but at the same time i really think because we mentioned uh nami one-shotting arlong if arlong somehow came back like to the cross kill as a minion or something I think it would be on the same level, or the same, like, closure level, if Robin made the final blow to Crocodile somehow, just to make that wrapped up, you know? Because Nami, I mean, Robin came around, was introduced with Crocodile, so that would be, like, thematically appropriate. But I guess we'll see in the coming future, because 
we still don't know if the crosscut will be the immediate next villain or if they'll be like the second villain right after the next arc or something right. like that. But there's a lot of buildup, obviously, so that tells us that they will be the next ones. But then again, the latest, latest chapter reminded us of the other villain, the other antagonist we haven't talked about yet, Blackbeard. Did you want to say that for next week, though? Yes, let's just save it. Yeah, because he's so relevant to the current chapters. Yeah, absolutely. Reading, know why. So <laughs> if you guys were wondering why we were not talking about Blackbeard, it's like, no, we're aware. We're just trying to keep that for next week, which we should be talking about chapter 1058 to maybe 1060. If 1060 comes out before our recording, it should be. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be our next episode. Um, I say next week, but obviously things could happen. Like this time we do apologize for that. So next episode will be 1058 to 1060. If something does happen again, Three it'll be 1061. Chapters. It'll be basically catching up, right, with a couple of recent chapters. And just in the last two chapters alone, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> and man, 1059 was insane. Yeah, like, we're not what talking a chapter. about... Yeah, like, I forget how fucking much Oda could put in one chapter and not make it feel overly dense or convoluted. Yeah, it's like, no, this we can't is talk all about the pieces coming together. But if they do want to talk not... to you about chapter 1059, where can they find you? They can find me at Jacob Miranda on Twitter. That is J-A-C-O-B-M-E-R-E-N-D-A. Where can they find you, Justin? Also on Twitter at Jitsu, J-I-T-S-Z-U. Or you can catch me on our Discord, which is free to join. And it's in the description down below. You can catch us on there pretty frequently. We keep it active and we're always chatting about One Piece and other things. So we'd love you guys came through. Absolutely. Come by and drop by if you want. Um... Also, uh, to the uh, person who found my Instagram, <laughs> I never advertise it on the podcast, but thank you for uh, the comments you've been sharing. We had a person who left a five-star review, uh, sorry, not review, a five-star rating, who's going through thank our you. episode. Um, thank you very much um, for finding me on Instagram and doing that. But yeah, if you guys want to communicate, uh, Twitter will be the primary method of doing so. And if um, you want to support us in another way, you can help us out on Patreon. Link for that is also down below. It'll get you a special role on the Discord and access to our hangouts whenever we're at Children's VC and just vibing. And we'd love for you to hang, come through. Absolutely. Last time, uh, everyone watched me fail invasions on Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> I came around. I, ca I won a few matches in the end. I was incredibly rusty, though. Oh, my God. And then Justin came in later, and we had some duels. That was really fun. That was fun. So, and then next time, uh, we might be planning something bigger oh no it might be, it just might depend but when next time we'll let you guys know ahead of time instead of like five days ahead we'll let you know get further ahead of time for that but thank you guys also very much see you next week bye bye <laughs>